What's up, Drew? Hey. So Melanie can't join us today. She is off doing fabulous things. So it's just uh, just me and Drew today, and we thought we would talk about, as sort of a follow-up to last week, when we discussed how colleges are sort of funded, how the money money works, that now that we have Drew here, or that now that I have Drew here, to try to pick apart how high schools are funded so we can see some of the differences between how high schools and colleges are funded sort of more for realsies and then <laughs> make those comparisons. So if it's going off my knowledge, it'll be a short, short episode today. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's fine. I mean, the listeners have had some long episodes. They can have some short episodes everything. too. I'll share everything I know. We'll be done in 10 minutes. Um, where did you guys, so where did you start last week? Obviously I haven't listened to because it, it hasn't been published. Yes, so it, it hasn't dropped yet. So, so we talked about how colleges are funded. So we discussed, uh, you know, tuition. How tuition students pay tuition. For our college, there's also a large a portion of what's called the operating budget, which is paid for by endowments. So this is the interest off of investments. So you're talking about like income first. I guess that's all you're talking about is funding income. Right, yeah. So we didn't really, I mean, we talked a little bit about how some of that is spent sort of incidentally in terms of upgrading the suites okay. here or keeping the water turned on, mowing the grass, you know, that sort of a thing. The, all those expenditures paying my salary. I guess let me lay out the depth at which I know this. I'm not an expert, but I'm also ignorant of it. I have been teaching like, what, 13 years now? Uh, what, maybe like eight years at a high school level. So I have sat on, I'm, I'm not sure if it works this way in the entire country, but in in California, we were doing for a long time what's called a site council. At each school site, had a council that got to that had members from the faculty, the principal, the parents, usually the students, unless it was like elementary, I guess, because even the middle school I was at at that point had students on the site council. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we got to do was essentially write the budget for the non-categorical funds for that site. Okay, so what are categorical funds? Um, so we get public school the entire district gets like a basically a lump sum is what it seems like to me and an expert may correct me on this from the state of California and it comes in two categories two accounts is non-categorical meaning general fund okay and that's like it's a general fund it's used for everything and the categorical funding is like when Obama did like a one-time education everybody gets two thousand dollars or something and it was good you know you can spend it on classroom supplies we the district was not allowed to spend it on new staff positions you couldn't buy people also Um, illegal in general but point taken I mean you couldn't use that money to open up because uh, the district as a whole got, I don't know, 100000 bucks or something or some huge number. They could have bought positions and had a new teacher at this school or wherever, but right. those are contractually obligated to stay there if you, if you open it, and then there's no funding. It wasn't coming back. Right. So a lot of the funds we get are, are categorical, meaning it's you, you if you're a Title one school, you get funding for English learner support. If you're a, or for students low socioeconomic status, 
and those funds have to be spent on that right. in the it's, area. It's like earmarked. Yeah, so, that, so that matches what's referred to as endowed funds at the college level, which our listeners remember from last week. So when, when endowed funds are, are donated, and if they are given a specific purpose, they can only be sp spent on that purpose. You cannot borrow from them to pay for something else. That would be misappropriation of funds or fraud or something bad. And yeah, yeah, same same thing. And so it's a it's an absolute red tape nightmare when you stand there, especially when you go to the bargaining table and say, "Look, our our rainy day fund has you know X millions. Why are we not able to do this expenditure or that?" And you know, there's all these red tapes tied to things. But anyway. I'll give you a number and say, you know, per, per student who's in attendance, uh, average daily attendance, the state will cut a check for X amount of money. I think at the high school level, it's something like 9000 per student. And I don't remember if that's like a monthly per student or whatever. But so if 9 through 12, grade 9 through 12, it's some $9,000. And a bunch of that gets spent on overhead basically like paying it's not like the kid you know hey you're attached with this with this check so now we're going to spend it on the program you're in it's the district gets a big chunk average daily attendance per kid and now you can use that as your general fund so even though a student might be bringing in like walking with like nine thousand bucks floating above their head most of that gets sort of siphoned away to pay for electricity and maintenance of the entire right. district or, you know, like to pay well, your salary? Yeah, all of the above. Yes, yeah, so opening the school on Saturday for Saturday school that costs, costs, money. costs X dollars. So they won't run the program. They won't pay me the extra to come in on Saturday unless I have 10 students minimum, you know. Um, for a Saturday program because I can then they can use a categorical fund that's for student support right it's, it's intervention funding you know if I've targeted my students of the ones that need support at D's and F's and whatever then I can use that funding but if I've only got nine students it's not worth turning the lights on mm -hmm. you, know, you know what I mean so um, because all that other, has to get all that has to get paid for like someone you they have to pay for your time to show up they have to pay for the electricity have to pay for any other sort of things that are going yeah, on. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the general idea. That's, that's basically how we're funded. And so we get a big chunk from the state. We're supposed to get as much as we get from local property taxes and the California lottery. Okay. Us, it's really like it's a, it's a nickel on the dollar or something. It's really ridiculous. So you can't answer the question is like how do those two stack up, right? I'm guessing that property taxes is more than lottery is that i mean but you... yeah yeah I, I think that's way more than lottery now so they did the same thing you remember when you and i were in high school in michigan and they had passed this uh what they called the robin hood law that was going to take from the rich districts and give it to the poor districts oh, yeah, everyone was super up in arms about that yeah and so our school district spent all their extra money on spray painting the lockers just so they wouldn't have to give it away. Do you remember? Anyway, Vaguely. there's a law like that in California, and I don't remember when it was passed. It was before I was teaching. It has had this unintended effect of less funding than used to comes from property taxes. Oh. Like Marin County, the rich county north of San Francisco where the, where the senator lives, used to have crazy, crazy funding, 
and now it's still good funding and there's really great schools, public schools, but it's less difference between like hmm. East Oakland and Marin County. Probably because they lowered their property taxes because the way it, for students, you don't care because you never had to deal with it, but usually the way this works is that there's a, I think it's called a millage, that is voted on by the, by the city or the county to add basically a certain amount to property taxes in order to pay for the school. So I think the psychology that's going on or sociology or something sciencey, some ology, is that if you feel, if you think that, or if it's true that some of the money that you are giving intended for the school that your children go to, if that's being taken away and then given to other schools, then you don't want to give as much because you want to pay for your children. You don't want to pay for other people's children, right? which is, I mean, you are paying for other people's children, everybody else in the community. You know, that's a, that's a, a good philosophical debate about, well, the campus I'm working on was built in 1955 and somebody agreed to build this campus. Somebody agreed to take property taxes to build this campus for you to live on. The rest of the people that live in town, I happen to live in the town where I work, and all of the voters have agreed locally now. So I think my town specifically would vote differently if our taxes were going to Washington, D.C. But <laughs> locally, our town has voted to say, in within the city limits, we're willing to pass this bond measure that raises my property tax on my, my mortgage on my house by, I was like a hundred bucks in the year I have to pay extra because mm-hmm. I voted yes on this thing that funds building two new buildings on this campus on where I work. So I am kind of biased towards it, <laughs> but also updating almost every school in the district as far as technology and, and uh, new buildings and whatever. So the, the local people that live here passed it and it wasn't unanimous, you know, it was probably like a uh, 58% yes on this bond measure. But so that's the kind of thing where oh, my, my taxes got raised. Yeah. And here's your product out of it is we get a, a quality education at a public school that's comparable to, you know, so-and-so's zip code school. That's what we're calling it now, right? Some <laughs> other zip code school that's got Wi-Fi up and down and Kindle reader books for every class and whatever. One-to-ones and whatever's. When they're done with this upgrading, they've started spending the money, and we got construction on my site right now. We will have a pretty, pretty comparable little program, little high school going here. Yeah. So, <laughs> so while a, a public education, you know, grade school, middle school, high school, is sort of free in quotes, it really isn't, in that the property taxes the people there pay for it, and if there needs to be any improvement to the school, that's major, like building new buildings to house the increased student population so they're not in sort of temporary, long-lasting, but temporary buildings, or upgrading the internet so that, you know, all of these different aspects of connected learning can be taken advantage of, that has to be paid for by the city or county population voting to say, yes, I'm willing to pay $100 more a year in property taxes, or whatever it happens to be, to... Yeah, yeah. To raise the money to do this, that you, you can't just go to the school board or to the city planner and be like, our school isn't great, build a better school. Because they'd be like, that's okay. And where's the money for that going to come from? You know, I, guess, 
guess that's the thing is when you know when I started teaching, I was kind of thinking, why are we having this fight between teachers and district office about what our pay ought to be? When really, the reason there's no money is because we're not being paid the full amount. Like we have these federal and state mandates for what we're supposed to do for for children under the age of eighteen, and it's not fully funded. They don't. They only give us you know, whatever it is, a portion of the amount of dollars it would take to run our public program. So it really should be the parents, the teachers, the students, the administration, the district office, all which with pitchforks in Washington, D.C. saying, hey, guys, you want us to, to do this? And we should because our students are owed a free and appropriate public education that's quality for us. Yeah. And you know everybody holds up Sweden as a as a public school they K twelve high yep. taxes I believe isn't that right? Great, well they have high tax and they also you know the United States taxpayers who's paying for their defense spending. <laughs> but that's a different topic. I don't want to get off topic anyway. <laughs> so they, they I mean as a proportion of the federal budget, Sweden's education federal budget is different than ours and you could talk about the reasons for that in a different podcast <laughs> right, yes. not not our not our purview you know yeah. so yeah i mean i think as we discussed in, in in early on in our podcast students really do pay much more of my salary than they do of yours their, their parents generally pay your salary <laughs> so one thing i might point out which again i think we've we've mentioned but here it makes a lot of sense is that this explains so much, I think, of, of the differences between what you might see a affluent school district and a school district from an, in a non-affluent area, whether that be inner city or rural, is that the property in an affluent neighborhood is worth a lot. And so property taxes, even if they're at the same rate, bring a lot more money. Yeah, that's the, the item I was thinking about is a student was asking me even like last week about, you know, who pays for your for your salary. Or, and I said, you know, anybody who lives in this town is helping to pay a portion of that. I mean, we get a federal chunk that's shrinking. We get a state chunk that has stayed the same because our, our governor and our legislature has been able to. Uh, Schwarzenegger took $2 billion away from education when he came into office. Wow. The next came in and gave it back so we actually got some budget back and it wasn't quite as hard times but anyway right. it might have, it was probably the right call at the time but we got our budget we got our education budget back from the state in yeah. any case so I said I told you know that student asking like yeah if you live in the in the city if you have a roof over your head somebody's paying a property tax if whether you're renting your landlord pays me a, a, not pays me but pays right. into the pot or your mom and dad have a mortgage that pays into the pot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I happen to live here, but even if I lived two towns over, I would be paying my mortgage millage, you know, percentage to that school district. So right. that's the argument that it's, it's all a wash. You can't stand here and say, well, I don't have kids, so I'm not going to pay my tax. Well, who paid for you? <laughs> Somebody did. And to sort of close that bit of reasoning a bit, is that in an area where, where the property values are, are lower in, say, a rural community or one that's in a not expensive part of a big city, the property is worth not as expensive, the taxes are lower, less money makes it to those schools. And so this is 
like sort of the big problem is we want everyone to have a good education as educators we do right, right. and but there's also this competing portion of you you want to you want to do what is best for your community like there's this in-group bias is like I, I want my son's schools to be as good as they can and so, so this was like, this was the that, that crazy disparity and California is not the only state in the union that has the same disparity of right. the rich or wealthy or, or populous mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be wealthy per se but populous so there's a lot of properties to draw tax from even if it's low property value versus Kern County, that's where you were doing that that antenna experiment way out there, where there's no uh, no light pollution. Yes. Because there's no houses, <laughs> so they would have had like six pieces of property to draw tax off of, and one schoolhouse. Like there was truly places in California that still had one schoolhouse until they passed this law in like the '60s or '70s mm-hmm. to more evenly. Not it wasn't totally like everybody gets the same. It was more right. evenly to the the cash. Pennsylvania is another one where. The state sold the lottery. Hey, we're going to legalize the lottery as long as it's state run and a portion goes to education. 50% is going to go to the education and we're going to have schools like nobody's business. And as you can see, we're all getting like 12 and a half cents on the dollar. And, and it's, Yeah, it's not 50 cents on the dollar. It goes down because they want to use it for other things. That's when I sat in my son's school budget meeting on the parent committee and the line item for the for the California lottery mm-hmm. on the income of the budget, it was like a thousand bucks or something. It w- maybe it was like ten thousand or so. It was like ridiculous. Yeah. It would pay for you know the janitor for one month kind of thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was terrible. Okay. Well, I think you have to go, but I think that was a pretty nice sort of encapsulation of the flow of who pays for high school. All of high school is basically everyone in your town who owns property is the one who's paying for what's going that's on. Why, that's why I say in my in my classroom, like, quit breaking the pencil because you paid for that. Right. <laughs> but anyway. Well, even if you rent, you pay your rent, and that's what your landlord uses to pay the property taxes. So one way or another, if you're living, if you're living in the school district, you're you're paying for all that stuff. All right. Thanks, Drew. All right. See you next time. Okay. Okay, listeners, if you would like to get me a question, you can shoot me a tweet. I am at Dr. Hyland, D-O-C-T-O-R-H-Y-L-A-N-D. Want something longer? Then you can reach me on email at um, peter.o.hyland, H-Y-L-A-N-D, at gmail.com. All right. I'm at Andrew Hyland. That's my Twitter. (laughs) All right, see everyone next week.